0: Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer, And we're back, but we're not really back. We're actually in Romania today. Um,
1: Perfect place to, to deliver our message on IRS on the road don't It you think?
0: is. We're so excited to be back. We're in Bucharest right now, but we uh, were here 25 years ago. We have a daughter who have we been served as a missionary. No, we've time? never been back.
1: Let's make a point to come to Bucharest every twenty-five
0: years. Okay. <laughs> there was so much pollution then, and the, and the airports were so scary. It was crazy. People behind bars, and it was dirty and smoky. Well, the
1: the Iron Curtain, the uh, the the Berlin Wall, the wall had just
0: come down. Yeah, just come down. Our two daughters went on missionary missions to Bulgaria and Romania at the same time, and they were like the tenth and twelfth sisters into these areas. So it was a scary time.
1: It was scary for us more than for them. I think they were fine. Yeah, we, they we, were fine. Well, but we can't. We made the mistake. We came to Bulgaria three times while they were there, and to Romania twice to well we three. came here
0: to do some work in an orphanage yeah
1: we were doing some other things.
0: and uh it really it was wonderful it was an amazing experience we brought all the kids that weren't on missions which was seven and uh we had such a marvelous oh, time man.
1: remember that remember that uh, well it was marvelous in a way but it was just so incredibly what is what is even the word for that orphanage this is you got to go back 25 years to what orphanages oh my were gosh, like in gosh, The Romania. windows were
0: all broken out. The kids oh. had nothing to play with except glass bottles. Well, I, I still don't well, know why the they were kids there.
1: Well, the little kids were in their cribs, and nobody ever picked them up. I mean, it was
0: just… They were just rocking back and forth in their cribs.
1: and. I was going to say depressing, but it was more than that. But we spent… Uh, a little time there we were there for a couple of weeks i think trying to help we painted things we brought in some toys we delivered a lot of stuff that friends had given us to this orphanage and the kids
0: actually fell in love with the kids we um the orphanage we actually worked in was near transylvania
1: <laughs> yeah, but
0: it yeah. was um
1: a place called Tergejou. it all it all sort of came back to us today when right. we were driving from the airport although The difference in the airport in Bucharest 25 years ago and now is like I mean you know you'd have to look twice to know you were in Eastern Europe now although when you look twice you can still tell you are
0: yes it's true Uh, it's still foggy here and murky and I I don't know really whether it's just cloudy or it's that pollution we there was so much pollution here that we are we were white shirt in the morning and it was black by night well it's
1: dark here now and well I hope the sun comes out tomorrow and I hope it's a crystal clear day let me give you a little quick itinerary though and then tell you what we want to do today on ours on the road we're we're on a six city speaking tour we started for those of you that listened last week we started in in london ontario canada with a wonderful group of 350 400 parents it was awesome then we went on to london where our youngest daughter, London, England, so our flight was London to London, which was interesting. Where our youngest yeah, daughter, really Sherry, interesting
0: because they canceled our flight. We oh, had that to go was, all yeah. the way back across the country that and then fly on to London. Anyway,
1: and Then we got to, we spent a three day two and a half days in London with our youngest daughter. Then we went on to Amsterdam and did some speaking there and had a wonderful group of very affluent presidents, young presidents of companies, but but concerned about their parenting, concerned about their children. And we had quite a time in Amsterdam. I want to come back to Amsterdam in a minute. But then from there on to Zurich, where we have a son and a daughter-in-law and a wonderful little granddaughter. And then...
0: And absolutely spectacular scenery
1: oh my gosh
0: they have moved farther away from zurich and so our poor son has to get on a train for an hour and 15 minutes just and go through the alps every day
1: <laughs> i mean <laughs> if you really want to commute if you have to commute for an hour and 15 minutes why not do it right through the heart of the alps <laughs> he start. he lives near near Dafos, which uh american who was thinking about the economic summit would say davos that's actually dafos
0: is davos
1: dafos v is a v is an f oh okay and uh, he rides through these incredible alps i said tell i would like to commute an hour and 15 minutes if i were you i'd just sit here on this crystal Beautifully smooth train going through the Alps. I'd be inspired every day.
0: But he has—he's in charge of seven countries, so he's at, from Australia. He waited in force in the airport for three hours because he'd been in Budapest, and he also has Sweden and uh, Denmark and Morocco and all kinds of he's wild places. Australia he's
1: too. But anyway, now we're in. Romania, And from here after we'll we'll give our speech tomorrow and then we'll go one more stop to Madrid, which ironically or as luck would have it is was the mission field or the location of our another daughter, Sadie, when she served a year and a half of humanitarian service and missionary work. So we tried to talk Shawnee into coming with us to Romania, where we are now, and Sadie into coming with us to Madrid but you know they just let well, little things like their families and their young children get in the kind of way yeah. and dumb
0: stuff like that and you know <laughs> they we were only here 2 days but heck they could have come they
1: could have come my <laughs> goodness what, what in the world is wrong but we we love madrid we we we've been there several times and love it every single time so then we'll get back home which we'll look forward to we, we're going to the, the topic of today's show is Parenting and families around the world think families around the world and and so Linda What do you what have been your observations so far?
0: You know, we've found that even though there we're visiting a lot of different cultures um, We love Canada because it kind of feels like home And uh, and we adore London because it kind of is home. We lived there for so long. We were there as missionaries and then we were there um, several other times on different occasions. We went back for another six months so that our younger kids could know about London. So we, we just feel like London is home. And uh, these other countries have been fascinating. I've never been to Amsterdam. Well,
1: it's I think fantastic. you've been there once, but it's been a while ago. And, and we were so lucky with the weather. Amsterdam was crystal clear. And when you're out on those canals in Amsterdam and, and walking around or riding bicycles around, how many bicycles do you think there are in Amsterdam?
0: Oh, my gosh, seven million. <laughs> no, I made that up, but... Well,
1: there's um, 18 million people in the Netherlands, and I'm sure each of them must have two bicycles. They
0: must well. There's two <laughs> people living in the house or more. But um,
1: you if, know that song? There are nine million bicycles in Beijing. I think Amsterdam would
0: give them a run for their I money. I think they would, and you can see why because it's flat forever. You yeah. can. It's easy to ride a bike. And where the neighborhood where we were, there were no stop signs anywhere. Um, bridges about every hundred yards. And uh, it was so gorgeous. We went to the Van Gogh Museum. For for those of you who are art lovers and especially Van Gogh lovers, it was out of this world. Well, when you Fantastic.
1: think of starting with Rembrandt and going down to Van Gogh and everything in between, the Dutch have an amazing, amazing heritage of art and design, and you still see a lot of that in the city. And, Linda, you know, they also have a real fierce kind of a healthy pride in being dutch yes they do you know it's like hey we rose we we had nothing i mean they of course they have a history that's very very long it's the idea this was a swamp we had we had to build dikes even to have land to, to to work with and we're a humble people because we're surrounded by these powerhouses of england and france and germany and we had to fly under the radar and work harder and learn all the languages and become a center of commerce. And this one guy just loved this driver we had. He said, well, the real turning point is that the Dutch invented the crankshaft and that allowed windmills to turn the power tools that, that did the timber in order to make the boats, which allowed the Dutch to rule the sea and to create an empire that goes from the Caribbean to South Africa to Bali.
0: Well, you may be loved loved what you learned about boats, but I loved what we learned about families. It was so interesting. We had such a group of really good, committed parents. And interestingly, most places we visit with this group of people who are highly motivated and um, very well paid, have their kids in private schools, but all the schools are so excellent in Amsterdam. They all just put their kids in, in all of the schools. Netherlands,
1: there are really basically no private schools because the public schools are so
0: good. Well, they're international schools, of course,
1: for kids There's that don't some, speak yeah. the language,
0: but they, it was pretty amazing. And sadly, they don't pay their teachers what they're worth either, just like Utah.
1: Like everywhere in the world. And
0: uh, Arizona. And the interesting thing is in London, we had to walk our children to school every single day in their buggies and their prams well any mom any and anyone
1: that was. doesn't walk her child to school is thought of as kind of a shirker
0: It's just it was really it was fun actually it was a nice neighborhood thing and we had two babies there, so we were always walking to school. Then we get to Switzerland. And those little children are not allowed to have their parents. They're looked down upon if their parents are with them. So we have this little (laughs) six-year-old grandchild um, who's very kind of dependent on her darling parents because she's an only child. But she walks to school all by herself a long way down a long hill. And then she walks back up the hill it takes 20 minutes to half an hour. Well, 20 you, minutes down, half an hour back. For yeah. lunch, she goes home for lunch.
1: Milan's, Milan's, Switzerland, yeah, high in the Alps, uh, near what? Well, it's where Heidi. It's where the book Heidi took place. It's
0: Heidi it's Land.
1: The, but it's all hills and mountains, and so here's this little six-year-old granddaughter of ours, and she walks to school
0: all by herself. And then she's so delightful.
1: And then she walks home for lunch up this hill. And then she walks down again and then she walks home after school. She's a strong little gal. <laughs> she
0: is. It's so fun to see the difference in families in that regard, at least. And um, then here we are in Romania. We are having dinner tonight with our hosts and we can't wait to hear what's happened, what's since happened we to we were the here. schools
1: and yeah. the families and so on. And how I'm sure, I'll make a prediction, Linda, they're going to say, well, obviously, we love. The freedom and the free enterprise that's come since the wall came down. But I'll bet they're also going to say the Western influences and the Internet. They're going to have the same problems with screen time with their kids as we do in the States.
0: Yeah, that's right. Maybe not as extensively, but they certainly were hungry for help in Amsterdam and London. I mean, it is just becoming Really scary because it is taking over the world. Well, not scary good in in a lot of ways But for kids who can be addicted so easily. It's very scary. You
1: know when you say globalization It's usually an economic term and we're talking about Supply and demand throughout the world and so on but another way to look at how globalization could be defined or how it's working is how similar the problems of families are throughout the world and, and not, not so in third world countries or developing countries, but all through Europe, all through Asia, uh, similar problems to what we have in the U S and Canada. If you were to ask parents, what are your biggest worries right now for your kids? Which we do, the answers are very similar. We're worried about screen time. We're worried about entitlement attitudes. We're worried about substance abuse. We're worried about bullying on the Internet. It's, you know, you could close your eyes and if you could shut out the accents that you're hearing, you'd say, well, this could be anywhere in the States. This this parent, these problems exist. And so, you know, another thing we always do, which is the same in, in all these groups, we say how many of you had some kind of a job when you were growing up? And And all the parents raise their hands, and then we say, "How many of your children have those kind of jobs outside the home today? Pretty much no hands, although there were there
0: were some in Amsterdam that
1: was interesting.
0: yeah, it was interesting, and of course, when we were in the middle east we were we were just looking at the map today, and we've been there a lot. Some of them were born with a silver spoon in their mouths, and, and they didn't work as, as kids. But it's really amazing to find this. In the Middle East, they were yeah. born
1: with a golden spoon in their mouths. Oh,
0: yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we hope you're enjoying this today. We're going to try to get to some more sort of conclusion-type comments in the second half of the show. So stay with us. We're talking about families around the world on Irs on the Road, and we'll be right back after this short break.
0: Welcome back to Ayer's On The Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hi, we're back. And uh, we are far, far away as we record this. We're in Bucharest, we Romania.
1: Us. Most of you are listening in the morning. It's nighttime here in Romania. We've we've just been here a few hours. We'll get up tomorrow morning and look around this city and maybe go outside the city a little and, and just be aware of it. How much has changed here in the 25 years <laughs> since we were here before and then we'll give our presentation to a wonderful group of parents and marriage partners tomorrow evening and then the next day we'll get back on the plane and go to madrid for some similar presentations
0: you know we um it's interesting because people complain here about daylight savings time just like they do at home. They had daylight savings time a week before we did. Who started that? But whose who's dumb idea was that's that anymore? I an anyway? American
1: invention. It's been exported.
0: But, it, but we are in the same time as Arizona now who refuses to join, which I think is so smart. But Wait, anyway. you mean
1: we're, when we're home, we're in the same time as Arizona? Right, right. Arizona and Romania are not in the same time. No, same. no you're right. <laughs>
0: But um, it is dark. It's dark. It gets dark at about 3.30. It starts getting dark, really dark at, in London at 3.30 because they're so far north. Our kids used to walk home from school when we lived here. In the dark, I mean, it was just really dark twilight when they got home from school at 3.30.
1: You know what I'm thinking, Linda? It's, it, I was When we were talking in the first half about how similar a lot of the parent parents' worries are around the world and the whole developed world it's it's like what the bottom line is in in this time of 2018 trying to raise responsible children in a somewhat irresponsible world the whole challenge is is sort of one of balance how do we balance the tremendous blessings and advantages and and good luck that we have to live in this particular time to have technology to have the kind of education we do to have the opportunities we do to have the communication we do to have the op, the the, the potential in our lives and our education and our career. How do we balance all that good with the potential entitlement that comes with it, with the, with the potential for not developing a work ethic in kids? I mean, you know, the, it's, it's almost as though, The problems parents face in the developed world are like the polar opposite of the problems people face, parents face in developing countries, in third world countries. I mean, third world countries, the kids don't have to learn a work ethic. They're out there working every day to find something to eat. You know, they're out there. Right. Just to survive for the day. To survive and so on, much as, as the rest of the world was many years ago. And so, you know, their their challenge is to find a way to get kids a, a little bit of education, to find a way to open the horizons of their children enough that they can see the, the wider world. And then here we are in, in uh, the reason I'm thinking about this is Romania, 25 years ago, when we were here, was essentially a third world country. It
0: felt like it. I mean, yeah. it
1: felt like it because of communism and so on. and And people were scraping and, you know, the biggest worry was, how do I feed my children?
0: Well, there, there was nothing to eat. There was no nothing to buy. There was nothing in the stores. Every store looked like um, a desert desert industry store. I mean, only less because there was just nothing in there. I mean, there's lots of great stuff. Well, we'd stuff go to restaurants.
1: The funny thing was, I still remember, we'd go to restaurants and they they would have a menu with lots of things on it. But you, you try to order this or that. Oh, we don't have that. Oh, we don't have that. Well, what do you have? Uh, we have a meat plate and Shopska salad. And right. Okay, bring us that. That's and, all uh, they have. Oh, they,
0: and they did have pizza, which um, we'd oh, say, well, you pizza. have like pepperoni or sauce. Oh, no, no, no. Well, do you have tomato sauce? No. I don't remember what they did have. <laughs> funny, I said, do you have honey? And they said yes, and I said okay. We had all of our kids when they were little, tiny pizzas. Said, okay, we'll make twenty pizza. pizzas with some honey, and that <laughs> is what the kids had for dinner. It was really pretty amazing. It was bleak. Uh, our when our kids were on missions in Bulgaria and Romania, they were saying it was impossible for them to spend as much money as they as they we sent them every. But what every I was month.
1: getting to is that in a way, Romania is is sort of this this bridge between what we're talking about now, the sort of opposite, polar opposite problems that parents and families face in the developed world versus the non-developed world. Whereas one is striving for survival and for, you know, just finding food for their children. And the other one is worried about just the opposite too much, too much internet, too much screen time, too much, Stop. Of everything, it's too, much, too stuff. much stuff, too much commercialism, too much celebrity influence, too much cyber stuff going on.
0: Oh, in fact, when we got off the the plane today, there was a really striking, tall, big guy with a well trimmed beard that got off a young man, and there was a whole crew of film crew there with cameras and all these people. I'm sure he was. A I think he was a football Football
1: star, he yeah. must have been.
0: Yeah. It was really interesting. Well, at least they do have things like that now, which is great. I'm sure that that was not.
1: Well, really that's my culture. point: is that Romania has gone from one to the other. Because now I'm sure, when we're with these parents and families tomorrow, they're they're going to mirror what the parents said in Amsterdam or in London or or in Zurich. They're worried about what modern convenience and opportunity and the proliferation of wealth and well-being what it is doing to their children and how they can get these kids to experience the same thing they did growing up 25 or 30 years ago when they had to develop their own work ethic and figure out how to do things and find their way in life
0: i'm hoping that the orphanages are so much better i'm sure they are we have a daughter who's been working with one heart bulgaria and they have done magnificent things in the orphanages in Bulgaria and I'm sure somebody's doing that in Romania as well well I but, doubt there are as
1: many orphanages well they probably aren't
0: and our orphanage is four hours away we're not going to be able to go back and see how that works but a lot of parents had just were dropping their kids off they weren't handicapped but they were driving them off because they literally couldn't feed them through the winter
1: well the, uh, that's an interesting point we didn't mention the orphanage we worked in here 25 years ago and we had how many of our children came with a six seven, seven Seven, seven,
0: seven two, of except them.
1: for the two that well yeah. Josh was was on.
0: No, mission. he wasn't
1: yet. Oh, he he so, but I mean, the thing that was the, the thing that was so amazing is that these kids had nothing. And what you were saying, you know, the, the orphanage we were in was called a handicapped orphanage. That was a term that was politically correct then. But many of the kids had no disabilities other than their birth weight was low or they had no one had ever talked to them and they... They weren't verbal yet, and so they were labeled for life as a handicapped person going to this institution. We walked in
0: that door. I'll never forget those little hands all going up, hold, 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 because they had no one to hold them, no one to hug them. And they'd get so excited. They would wet on the kids, you know, our kids, and our kids were fine with it. They just changed their clothes, and they, they could understand what was going on. Our youngest was about nine, eight Maybe six. I can't remember. But anyway, she, we thought she'd be overwhelmed. She wasn't. She had a great time. But what I was going to say is we did some little lessons with these kids. And we had an interpreter. And the whole time we were telling these children stories, there was uh, one of the teachers in the back with this wild-looking doll, a big, tall doll with long, blonde hair and kind of chains and leather. And afterwards, I said, what was that doll? What was that doll about? And she said, oh, we just always hold that up when, you know, when they're, they need to be quiet and so on. Because we tell them if they're not quiet and obedient, then this doll will come and get them in the night.
1: Well you now there's a parenting method. Whoa. Uh, how's that for modern parenting?
0: Don't try that one. Well, it wasn't modern. And I'm, I'm sure mm. that, I'm pretty sure that things have changed.
1: Well, I mean, that that's what I was sort of getting to earlier, Linda. I mean, you know, we... It, it's, it's very normal for parents wherever we go to say, that you know, this is the hardest time ever to raise kids. This is so hard now because of all the things that are working against us and all the things that are pulling our kids in different directions and so on. Well, the perspective we're having on this trip is you we ought to, everyone who's a parent today in a developed country, ought to be thankful for the kind of problems we do have. Not that they're easy. But at least they're not survival problems. You just have to kind of ask yourself, how would it be to wake up every morning wondering if you could feed your children that day, if you could find enough food to keep them going? So let's be grateful for the the kind of problems we have and work as hard as we can to try to figure them out. We're happy to share just some of our impressions of this trip. You know, one of the interesting things, Linda, so far, I, I don't know why I'm thinking this way, but... The weather has perfectly matched everywhere we've been. It was so autumnal and beautiful, but also cloudy and moody. And in Ontario, just a perfect, prototypical autumn time. In London, England, it was just perfect. It's like like it's twelve degrees centigrade. It's cloudy. It it's raining. It's always twelve it's degrees.
0: It's just how London <laughs> is.
1: And, and if it's bright and sunny in London, you don't feel. Oh, like but, you're the
0: in oh but the leaves. Oh, in Park. So gorgeous.
1: And then Amsterdam, oh, to see that sun on those canals and just to to drink that in. I was thinking how – and then to go from there to Zurich, it's so interesting because Amsterdam has no mountains. They don't even have hills. It's just all flat. It's below sea level, most of it, because it's reclaimed with dikes. But you're all about the the foreground. It's like what you're looking at right in front of you, this beautiful canal with this little – waterway and this house behind it and so on and a tree and then you go to Zurich and suddenly it's all about the background it's the grandeur it's uh, from our son's window he can count 21 peaks that he sees as he looks out and and then coming here to Romania dark a little, bit smoggy, a little bit smoggy, you know. Yeah. The weather's kind of matched the country. So you know, far. one
0: thing that I think that we can say is universal in every place that we've been is that parents all realize that their children are unique, whether and they like they're it or their not. not. Highest priority. They're unique and yeah. they're their highest priority. But I haven't thought of this for so long. We did a little lesson with those kids in the orphanage about. It was a joy school lesson, which we won't go into. But anyway, about that you are unique and we asked the teachers if uh, they thought that would work with the kids and they said, "Ah, I don't think they're going to get it. We said, we'll just try it. You translate. We brought each little child up, set them on the chair and put a crown on their head and asked the teacher what they were really good at. And the light in their eyes just ablaze when they realized somebody appreciated them for who they are. And I think that's what... That's what every child really needs is to feel that they're unique. I, I think and that's that they're worldwide. loved.
1: They're loved as a unique individual. That's a perfect way to end, Linda. And I just think maybe what I'd like to say in conclusion today is take heart wherever you are, as you listen today, take heart in the fact that parents around the world feel so many of the same things you do. Number one, that their children are their highest priority that they want to do right by them, that they want to find ways to raise them to be responsible adults, and that it's never easy. Nowhere in the world is it easy.
0: Well, it really – are we lucky or what? We are so blessed to be able to do this, and uh, we're getting older now. We're not going to keep doing this the rest of our lives, but it has been such a joy. We've been around the world fire about five times with uh, different sets of parents in different countries and what a huge blessing that has been to see that everybody's the same.
1: So keep listening to Ayers on the Road because sometime in the next several years we'll change the name it'll be Ayers sitting at home on their couch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.